Hello and welcome to this week's Big Recon on Sports Cleveland Browns pregame show, week 14. Biggest game in Cleveland Browns season so far. Why? It is a rematch with last year's AFC North Division champion, the Baltimore Ravens, or as we like to call them, the team we used to be before Arthur Modell left Cleveland. I lived there when that happened. It's still a bitter point for everybody in that town. But listen, last week was a huge week for the Browns. It brings them into this week where they can basically put the final nail in what was supposed to be a promising season for the Baltimore Ravens coffin with a win at home tomorrow night. Today is Sunday, December 13th. I am recording this the night before. As between what time I get out of work and my drive home and everything else, I'm not going to have time to get you with a live hit tomorrow night, so I'm going to do that tonight. As always, I'm going to go back to last week, and let's discuss last week a little bit more in depth than normal. Last week's huge win, a dismantling, and don't let the final score um, fool you, of the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. This was a humongous game. I myself thought they were going to win. I just did not think it was going to be this. But the Browns did every single thing in the keys to victory I gave in last week's pregame show almost better than I thought they could. Let's start off the top. And the first thing I say about Ohio State and the Browns is you have to win the line of scrimmage. And the Browns did that within spades on both sides of the ball. How on both sides of the ball? Well, let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Miles Garrett returned off the COVID list. Had a huge impact. Not so much with numbers, but with presence. Uh, Miles, of course, in my opinion, after missing two games with COVID and having just about as many sacks as TJ Watt, is this year's Defensive Player of the Year. Now I'm biased because I am wearing Brown's gear, but his performance overall has been so good that I don't think there are a lot of people who can argue with it. So how else did the Cleveland Browns win the line of scrimmage? One stat. Derrick Henry carried the ball 15 times for 60 yards. They held Derrick Henry, the league's leading rusher, under under 75 yards for the game. This week he went off for like 200 against Jacksonville. So the Browns had a huge day on defense. Now, again, I did mention you don't want to to look at the final score and think that this game was close. It was not. It was a 38-7 Cleveland lead at the half. Let me repeat that. It was a 38-7 Cleveland lead at the half. An insane first half for the Browns offense. Let's get into that. My least favorite people in sports media are those on ESPN right now. Mike Greenberg, love him. When Pat McAfee's on, love him. Rex Ryan, love him. The rest of them I can do without. But not because they are prototypical Browns haters, but because all they do is say things just for effect. Mm -hmm. They don't actually bring any kind of knowledge to it. They're hot take mongers who think what they say is right. And guess what? It's not. I have not heard these people on that network criticize a a first-round quarterback more than Baker Mayfield. 
And everybody said, oh, this is Baker's put-up-or-shut-up week. Brandon Marshall said it, too, on Fox with Nick Wright on um, First Things First. This is Baker's put-up-or-shut-up week. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. Baker went for 300 and some odd yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and all of a sudden it's, oh, the Tennessee secondary is bad. Really? Ladies and gentlemen who will listen or watch this, this is why I'm doing a Michael Jordan and LeBron show, because I am tired of the narrative changing. The goalposts change for the Browns every single week. It's, oh, well, they win, but it's not Baker. Oh, well, they win, but Baker had to do it against a bad team. Oh, well, they won, but the defense is better than the offense from the other team. I'm tired of the garbage. This team went down and beat a team that was in the AFC Championship game last year with a lead and took them to the woodshed. They went field goal, punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Five touchdowns in a row in the first half. Baker was outstanding. And here is where the changes that they made in the offense this past offseason going into this year really made the hay. The Browns lined up, and I talked about this Wednesday night. I was on row seven with Alex. The Browns lined up in a three tight end set. One wide receiver split out wide. That was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Baker takes the snap. Play fake to, I believe it was Kareem Hunt. Harrison Bryant did a crossing route from the end of the line on, on the left-hand side coming across to basically be a decoy. DPJ hit a double move and was wide open, and Baker hit him in stride. Jarvis caught a touchdown pass. An offensive lineman caught a, tu- caught a touchdown pass. Guy's last name is Lamb. Let me look up his rest of his name here. But he caught a touchdown pass. I mean, this was... Kevin Stefanski called a flawless game. Kendall Lamb, on a play fake inside the, inside the one-yard line, caught a floater from Baker for a touchdown. It was, speaking of, speaking of catching balls in Baker, Baker caught a huge third down pass from Jarvis Landry on another trick play. Kevin Stefanski called nearly a perfect game offensively. He put the huge lead up. They scored only three points in the second half, but he did everything to make sure that the Tennessee Titans did not get the ball that much in the second half. This is where I get worried. The Browns' defense in the second half could not stop a nosebleed. They were outscored 28-3 in the second half, and Mike Glennon brought them back. Mike Glennon? Really? So the Browns had some things to fix in the defensive secondary. I was hoping they would work themselves out with Denzel Ward coming back from injury this week. I was wrong. Denzel is out for tomorrow night. As far as Baker himself... This is the best I have seen Baker Mayfield look in a Browns uniform. He was on time with all the the throws. He was anticipating the open windows really well. He was hitting guys in stride. And the few mistakes he made were were very few. And as a matter of fact, there was one. They should have scored another touchdown. But Peoples-Jones dropped a touchdown pass inside the five where he would have walked right into the end zone with no problem. So the offense, again, offensive line. I said this on uh, row seven. I'm going to say it again. The Browns offensive line scores at the top with PFF in run blocking and pass blocking. 
And boy, they're going to need it this week. As the Baltimore Ravens invade Cleveland tomorrow night, Monday night football, this is going to be two weeks in a row the Browns are a national game because their game next Sunday was with the Giants was flexed to Sunday night football. So I will be on Saturday, Sunday morning with next week's preview and the review of this week because I'll be watching the game next Sunday night. So let's get into the Baltimore Ravens. Let's get into a team that has been bitten by the injury and the COVID bug, has had their schedule rearranged a bunch, and are just now getting healthy in time to play the Cleveland Browns. Listen, Baltimore played Dallas last week, and it's Dallas. They're not that good. They put up 34 points. There was a lot of things that Dallas did defensively that was suspect, including allowing Lamar Jackson on a fourth and two to basically walk into the end zone 37 yards away. That being said, this Browns team has a clear path. And I said this before. If they can win this game, this Browns team has a pretty clear path on how they can win out and make the Pittsburgh Steelers have to win every game in order to get to the Browns at the end of the year. So here we go. Let's preview the Baltimore Ravens, a team that smoked the Browns in week one. But even Coach John Harbaugh knew then Listen, this is not a bad team. This team is going to be around when we play them again. And people rolled their eyes and poo-pooed it and whatever. Harbaugh said it in his presser this week. I told you guys this was a good football team. Well, Johnny, you were right. But I got a bone to pick with your brother. So how did the Browns beat the Baltimore Ravens? Well, there was a pretty good blueprint of that last year in week four when the Browns did the two things that they need to do to win the games that they play. They controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They ran the football well. Nick Chubb went off for a huge day against Baltimore, including the dagger, I think it was 84 yards, um, up the sideline. So how do you keep that going against the Ravens? Well, first of all, you have to win the line of scrimmage. And again, I'm a broken record on that. But in the nine games that they've won, the Browns have controlled the line of scrimmage. In the three games they lost, they did not. It's pretty easy math. So tomorrow night, the Browns need to control the line of scrimmage. And how do they do that? They stay on schedule on the offensive side of the ball. Look, Baltimore's defense is above average. It's very good. It has holes. It's not as fast as it normally is, in my opinion. Um... Their secondary it can be suspect at times, and I feel can be thrown on a little bit. But the way to beat the Baltimore Ravens is what I said in week one. Get up a score or two. Make Lamar beat you from the pocket. Because remember, an incomplete pass stops the clock. A running play, clock keeps running. Get up a couple of scores. Then... Let your running game dictate the pace of the rest of the game. How do you stop the Baltimore Ravens on offense? You stop their running game. And that's going to be a tough task because the guy who's now the feature back for the Baltimore Ravens is a guy that anybody who has watched Ohio State football fell in love with in 2017. Next weekend, as I'll come to you Friday night with the Big Ten Championship game preview, in 2017, this guy was the player in which Gus Johnson gave the best call that I've ever heard in a football game. Jump cut, there he goes, and Gus says, look at this freshman, and it was just, blows your mind. So, 
here we are. J.K. Dobbins is, as many of us predicted in the podcast world, and my buddy Nick predicted, he is the feature back for the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Ingram's days in Baltimore, I believe, are numbered. So how do you stop Dobbins? Well, you can't let him break tackles. You have to be sound in your fundamentals. If Dobbins breaks a tackle, that's when he makes his hay and he goes for big bursts and big yards. How do you keep Lamar in check? Well, you pressure him from the outside and you stay at home in the middle. That's how they kept him locked in in their week four win last year. That's what they did not do in week one this year. This is a different team 13 weeks later, as are the Baltimore Ravens. But the Browns have steadily gotten better. And last week was a big punctuation mark on a huge game. Let's see what happens tomorrow night. Another thing that is going to help the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure the field is cleared off now. But Cleveland got a ton of snow last week. There is no snow for tomorrow. But it is going to be in the low to mid 30s, which means it's going to be cold weather. I haven't seen Lamar Jackson throw the football very well in the cold weather. Have you? Mm, don't think so. If you if the Browns can put a couple of scores on the board and get a couple of stops on defense, they're going to make Lamar throw the ball. And then the Browns will have this game won because at that point in time, when he's from the pocket, not being moved, his completion percentage goes down about four or five points. But at the same time, he's not he never really gets in a rhythm. If Lamar gets in a rhythm, it's because he's able to run and throw the ball. So they gotta keep Lamar in tight and they gotta bring pressure from the outside. Another thing in the Browns' favor. Wyatt Teller has been activated off the COVID reserve list and he is ready for tomorrow night. They will have their full offensive line at full strength. So now you're saying, okay, well, this is the best run blocking and pass blocking line in the league. They are going to be able to dictate pace. I agree with that. But the problem is they also have to be smart. This is a very talented championship caliber defense that they are playing. They cannot get cute and they cannot make mistakes. They also can't fall apart in the secondary in the second half again. This is an easy one to call. If the Browns win this game, first of all, if they win this game, they're going to lock up the five seed in the AFC, which means they will play against the four seed, which right now that's looking like the Buffalo Bills, um, which not an easy game. Buffalo's playing Pittsburgh right now. Let's give you an update on the score there. It is no score in the beginning of the uh, four minutes gone in the second half. So Buffalo showed up to play Pittsburgh this week after beating San Francisco last week on the coast. So here's what I'm thinking. I think the Browns get it done tomorrow. I think it's a close game. Maybe comes down to a kick at the end with Cody Parkey. But the Browns get it done to go to 10-3. and three. Let's see. When was the last time the Cleveland Browns
Last time the Browns were 10 and 3. It had to have been the 80s under Marty Schottenheimer in those great years where they went to back-to-back AFC Championship games that, of course, ended with the drive and the fumble. So I like the Browns tomorrow night. I think they can get this 1-1 at home, split the season series as you have done the last two years with the Baltimore Ravens, and move into your two-week vacation in the New York, New Jersey metro area with a lot of confidence against two teams that I feel they can beat. I think they can beat the Giants, although the Giants have looked better. And, oh my God, the Jets are a lost cause. So, closing for this episode. I said I had a bone to pick with John Harbaugh's brother, Jim. And here's what it is. Unlike a lot of people in the world, I've taken what has gone on with the pandemic very seriously, just because my own home life and what we are dealing with here. Um, But... When I read what Michigan had listed as their positive tests, five players, four coaches, and that was it. As a Buckeye fan, that made me angry. Because there were teams in the Big Ten that yesterday, one team played with 33 players down and won. Ohio State went to Michigan State the week before with 23 players not available, and their head coach, and won by 42 points. It looks like Kirk Herbstreit was right. And Michigan just used this as an excuse to not get their rear end handed to them again. But more importantly, if this is true, That that was the only stuff they had going on. Because listen, this is nothing to mess with. I am not saying they should have played no matter what. I'm saying if that was it, you have teams that have found a way to play games with more players out and still keep the players who went and played safe. My issue is this. This is a game. This game. The game. That has been played every year till this one since 1917. This is a way of life for not only people in this in the great state of Ohio, but people in that state up north and all around basically the world. Now, it hasn't gone their way for a lot of years. It's been over 3,300 days since a Wolverines team beat the Buckeyes. But if that was your reasoning, you just canceled something that World War I didn't cancel, that World War II didn't cancel, that the Great Depression didn't cancel, that Vietnam and Korea, the Gulf, not even the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and 1919 canceled this game. Think about that. If it comes out that numbers were higher and they felt it was in the best interest of the safety of the players, that's fine. I agree with it 100%. But if it was just these nine people and it ever comes out this was done because they didn't want to get it handed to them again, 
You have robbed a lot of people of something that is a tradition. And with everything going on this year, the traditions that we have have all been changed. There's no more big gatherings for the holidays. There's no more traveling to see your family. But a tradition that people could have done distancing away because you didn't want to get boat raced. You played the pandemic card. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. And if you ever want to have the feeling that you're going to run through a brick wall for something, go watch the trailer Ohio State's video department made for this game. Oh, goosebumps just thinking about it. So for the rest of this week, I will actually be back Friday night to do the 2020 Big Ten Championship game preview. And for the second time in three years, it is the Northwestern Wildcats facing the Ohio State Buckeyes. Contrasting styles. Contrasting styles contrasting talent levels. Let's see what happens. Pat Fitzgerald is a great college football coach. He is going to have his team ready. Ryan Day will have his team ready. Let's see what happens. And then, of course, the following day on December the 20th, we will be reacting on Monday the 21st to the college football playoff rankings that come out on the 19th because, quite honestly... I'll be with you Sunday morning the 19th for the Browns and Giants on Sunday night. This is episode 91. Big Ten Championship previews 92. Browns are 93. The Cleveland Cavaliers 2020 preview that I will do not this coming week, but the fall, but Christmas week will be number 94. Uh, two, three, four. Couldn't count for a minute. We are now inside of 10 episodes away from the Big Recon 100th episode extravaganza, the greatest debate in sports today. Who is the GOAT? Is it Michael Jeffrey Jordan or is it LeBron James? It's going to be a lot of fun. I know Alex said he's going to be on because he's going to want to talk to me about it during the show. I know I'm going to reach out to everybody because it's going to be a live event on both Facebook and YouTube. So I will see the comments on here as I'm going and I will answer questions as I'm going. As always, Big Recon can be found as a proud member of the Timeskew Podcast Network at timeskew.com. Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, and Pocket Cast. On YouTube, here, Big Recon on Sports. On Facebook, Big Recon on Sports. Twitter, at Big Recon on Sport. Have a great rest of your week. Go dogs. Get a big one tomorrow against those purple rat birds. And I will see you on Friday for a Big Ten Championship preview. Take care.